United Nations in New York City, this is Jonah Trebowasa welcoming you to another edition of Radio Rotary. And my co-host is right here, and your name is what? Sarah O'Connell. I knew that. Thank you. You are the king of segues, Jonah. Well, here we are once again at the UN in New York City for Rotary International Day, as you said. The entire UN has been shut down, open only to Rotarians from all over the world. And not only that, we have a whole bunch of youth here today from our high school interact clubs and our student exchange clubs, and we'll be talking to them during the course of the next half hour. So sit back, relax, folks, and join us here at the beautiful United Nations on the East River, New York City, for United Nations Rotary Day. Well, Sarah, here we are in the lobby of the United Nations, and there's a tent sitting here, a beautiful uh, light green tent, about twice the size of the average home bathroom. It's quite large, and it has the rotary symbol on it and the word shelter box. I understand you have this very special guest, Sarah. Yes, we are here, and we are speaking to Yishan Lei. Is that correct? Lie. Okay, almost. I'm getting there. Who is standing next to the green tent, our shelter box, uh, that Rotary. Um, you were on the, the response team for shelter box. First of all, explain to our listening audience what a shelter box is. Right. Okay. Well, shelter box is unique in all the world. It is a big green crate that holds enough materials for a family of 10 to survive for six months. It's the only one of its kind in the world, and it is absolutely designated as a rotary product and as a shelter box product. Now, Ishan is not old enough to remember steamer trunks, but I am. And the shelter box uh, box, what we've seen, of course, uh, in our various rotary efforts, uh, is about the size of a steamer trunk or perhaps a, a coffee table, and an awful lot gets crammed into it. Ishan, tell us what's in the average shelter box uh, crate. Well, you mentioned that the tent is quite large. It is actually big enough to sleep 10 people. Um, without, outside of the tent, there is also a stove, water purification supplies, uh, cooking supplies, um, uh, sleeping materials, and a kid's pack. So it's enough for a family to survive as if they, their home had never been washed away in a hurricane or any other disaster that might have occurred. Now, you mentioned a kid's pack. What's in that? The kid's pack includes pencils, a math set, coloring books, stickers, um, things to distract a kid while their parent's trying to actually build up their home again and make sure that they stay out of their parents' way. Now, you mentioned, um, like, as if their, their home has not been washed away by a hurricane. The, the whole point of Shelter Box is to come in as soon as possible to help and provide basic living um, conditions for people who have been the victims of a complete disaster. Now, you yourself are part of the response team. Yushan, tell us exactly what that means. Well, it takes about a year to get on the team. It's a five-step interview process. Um, first, you send in your written interview, and then you go in for your face-to-face -face interview, and then the real work begins. Um, there's a three-day session in which you are stuck into the woods in Florida where people assess you and you know send you off on all sorts of fun tasks to make sure that you are the person they want on your team. Um, then after that, if you pass that, then you get invited on a nine-day course in Cornwall, England, um, which is where you do nine days of the same thing. Um, all of that is to ensure that we have the proper tools that we need to go into the field and deliver the boxes. Um, it's my job to get the boxes through customs and directly into the hands of the people who need the boxes the most. So we work with local villagers and um, the village chiefs and as well as a lot of government officials and rotary clubs to make sure that those people are indeed in need. 
Now, Lishan Alai of the Shelter Box Response Team, where are some of the places you've been with these beautiful shelter boxes and these magnificent tents? Personally, as a graduate of Shelter Box University in February, um, I was very lucky to actually go back to my home country of Taiwan and help with Typhoon. Um, but uh, other places have been to Burkina Faso. We've recently been to Sumatra. We were in the Philippines many, many, many times. So, you know, it's all over the world. We also go to areas in which we have war-torn countries. Uh, we were in Gaza recently. We're the only charity that's allowed in North Korea. Um, when the disaster happened in Myanmar, we also were the only group to get the first three visas out of the U.S. there. Well, that's great. And we've been joined by Larry Palon, one of our outstanding District 7210 Rotarians, who's also uh, one of our uh, outstanding leaders in the shelter box movement. Larry, welcome back to Radio Rotary. Good to see you, Jonah. Good to see you, Sarah. And it's so nice to see uh, everyone here at the United Nations learning more about Rotary. Now, Larry, uh, we've had the pleasure of talking to Yishun, part of your response team. Uh, how many shelter boxes have been sent around the world? Approximately 55,000 at this point. 55,000. So that's 55,000 times 10. That's 550,000 people who have been given shelter thanks to the great work of Rotary in, uh, in times of need. And uh, Yishun was telling some of the places she's been, but where have shelter boxes gone other than where uh, Ishan was telling us about. Well, I brought a shelter box uh, to Hudson, New York one time for a presentation, and I brought a shelter box to the Rib Fest at one time for a presentation, but that's just me. Um, well, I'm, so, I'm telling you, where have they gone in times of emergency? <laughs> it's comic relief, Jonah, comic relief. Um, Katrina, they've been to uh, Mississippi. Uh, our district, as a matter of fact, donated a number of shelter boxes that ended up on, on, on the Mississippi coast. Uh, Australia, Italy, N Niger. Where else? Sounds like it's been all over the world. Now, Sarah? Yes. Um, it, Larry, it's your part of representing and spreading the word about shelter boxes. Tell us, how much does it cost to actually assemble a shelter box? Well, you, you donate, clubs donate and individuals donate a shelter box, which is $1,000. And, and approximately five to $600 of the cost of that is the material that's included in the box. The balance is the cost of delivery anywhere in the world, wherever the disaster is, whatever it takes to get it to the top of the mountain or the bottom of the valley, and funding of Shelterbox response team members. They're volunteer, they volunteer their time, but Shelterbox um, provides the air transportation, water transportation, whatever is necessary to get the two or three member response team to the location. And if people want to help out, Larry, how can they get a hold of you or find out more about Shelterbox? Well, they can go on our district website, which is... 7210. Dot, 7210.org, and you'll see a link to Shelterbox, or they can go on the Shelterbox website, shelterboxusa.org. That's shelterboxusa.org, right? That's correct, shelterboxusa.org. We would be remiss in not mentioning the founder, the inventor. He's an engineer, I believe, by Trey, Tom Henderson, um, whom I'm sure we, you have met Yishan. I know Joan and I had the honor of meeting him, me for the first time last year here at UN Day. Um, and you mentioned that you go to England for part of your, it sounds like outward bound, survival training. Right, yeah. 
What was that like, Ishan? Really, really hard and very, very scary. Um, Tom Henderson is very scary when he's lurking in the bushes, sort of, you know, <laughs> making sure that he's a member, that you're the person that he wants on his team. Um, but now, it's hard to believe he's scary because I've met him. He's a teddy bear of a man. <gasps> Meeting him in the bushes was my very, very, very first indication of just how scary you could be. So that's all I remember. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's pretty rigorous training. You know, it's, it's almost like military training. They, they do wake you up in the middle of the night. They do ask you to consider the nine days as a full-on emergency situation. So for the entire nine days, you are living as if you are in an emergency situation. And, by the way, we do spend a lot of time living in these tents that you see. So um, we are very, very familiar with them. They are our homes for the entire nine days. So uh, it's pretty rough work, but it's important. Well, Yishan Lee and Larry Palan, you're both doing great work here with Shelterbox. We thank you for that, and thank you for joining us on Radio Rotary. Thank you. Larry, pleasure to see you again. Again, thanks, Jonah. And this is Jonah Trebowasser with Sarah O'Connell. We're speaking from the United Nations in New York City at Rotary UN Day. Hi, this is Sarah O'Connell here with uh, Jonah Trebowasser. Back with you, our listeners at UN Day, Rotary International's UN Day in New York City. And I am joined by a very special, we are joined by a very special guest. Right. Ms. Bunny Webb, who is an, an institution, a personage in Rotary in our District 7210. Hi, Bunny. Hi, everybody. <laughs> now, Bunny, we know that there's something very close to your heart that uh, the United Nations and Rotary have been fighting for years. Tell us a little about Polio Plus and the fight to finally conquer and eradicate polio around the world. You know, uh, I'm always happy to have the opportunity to talk about Polio Plus. I'm sad, though, that we still have to talk about it. Uh, Because of Rotary and Rotarians and the message that we've gotten out, the world today is 99% polio-free. There are still four countries where polio exists, the Pakistan, Afghanistan, India, and Nigeria. And uh, we will not stop because we made a promise to the children of the world that they would live in a polio-free world. And that's part of the reason why we're here, too, today, um, along with many other uh, global initiatives of Rotary. But today, during this conference, we're going to be seeing part of a a documentary, I believe, that's called The Last Inch. And that's where we're at, The Last Inch, to put it over the top, because polio is not without threatening all of us globally if one person still has it. Yeah, that uh, documentary, The Final Inch, uh, it's a very moving one. Uh, We have it uh, in our district. It's on the website, and we should really look at it. We should try to present it to other people so that they do know, they do know that we must continue. The truth is, as Sarah said, in the USA, we are still only an airplane ride away from, God forbid, having some kind of flare-up of polio, because if a child hasn't had the polio vaccine, and some parents do not permit them to have it, and another child happens to visit who is carrying the polio virus, we're in trouble. Not the kind of trouble that we had where thousands of children are going to be involved, but we don't even want to be to have one child involved. Uh, I don't think any one of us would want to be the parent of the last child to die from polio. Well said. And you know, uh, Bunny, uh, past District Governor Bunny Webb of uh, Hudson Valley's Rotary District 7210, when I first got involved in, pol- in, in Rotary, I was amazed to see 
that we still had the need for a charity to raise funds to conquer polio. Because, Bunny, you and I are, now Sarah's not old enough to remember this, but you and I are old enough to remember the miracle of the Salk and Sabin vaccine, which wiped polio pretty much out of the United States. I thought polio had been conquered. In what countries, Bunny, do we still have problems with polio? The countries where polio is still endemic are Pakistan, Afghanistan, India, and Nigeria. And you don't need to be a Rotarian to get involved with the final inch, the last inch over the top. The Gates Foundation has, has laid down some challenge grants. $350 million, I think. Well, that's not chump change. That we don't get it unless, we don't get it to provide the eradication to help with that final push to the top unless that grant is met and, uh, to, by Rotarians. However, anybody listening out there in our district, in our area, in the Hudson Valley, can donate. Every time I see Bunny, I end up making another donation to Polio Plus. <laughs> She's very compelling. Thank and, and while Sarah reaches into her purse, right, um, <laughs> Bunny, tell the folks at home if they're interested in helping, how they can help. Uh, first of all, I just want to uh, correct something that Sarah said. I don't, uh, we are not meeting the $355 million in Rotary. We do have the $200 million challenge. $198 millions of which Bunny has personally raised. <laughs> well, the fact is, all of us, all of us, uh, you just can write out a check to the Rotary Foundation. You see the signs in your community where Rotary meets. You can bring that check into that restaurant and say, or any meeting place and say, please give this to the Rotary Club. The children of the world say thank you. I'm, I, that's, I'm stealing a page from your book, Miss Bunny. They do. The children do thank us. And, uh, you know, every time we give a dollar, uh, we know that some child is going to be able to hop and skip and jump and play like all of the other children. And we, again, all I want to say to you is lift after you give your money. Look in the mirror and smile and imagine all of the children smiling back at you as they say thank you for what you're doing. Pastor Street Governor Bunny Webb of the Hudson Valley Rotary 7210, thank you so much for everything you do to help conquer polio, and thank you for joining us today on Radio Rotary right here from the United Nations. My privilege and an honor. Thank you. Welcome back to more of Radio Rotary. This is Jonah Trebois, who's speaking to you from the United Nations in New York City. And with me is my lovely co-host, Ms. Sarah O'Connell. And Sarah, you've got two very charming young ladies here. Uh, introduce them for us. Janie Chen and Emily Burr. Is that correct? Um, you ladies are with the, the high school. It's basically the high school level of the Rotary. No, 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 no. I'm sorry? Rotaract? They are college kids. They are college young ladies, Sarah. One day you'll consider that a compliment. <laughs> so Emily Burr, uh, you attend college where? At New Mexico State University. And uh, Ginny Chen, where do you attend? I'm also at uh, New Mexico State University. Well, you two are a long way from New Mexico here in the United Nations. Why did you decide to come to New York City to attend UN Day for Rotary? Well, for one thing, it's always really interesting to be able to meet other people who are involved in such a widespread organization as this. And for another, we were given really good prices on airfare. <laughs> so is this your first time in New York City, Jenny? Yes, this is, our, this is my first time. And besides going to the UN, you're starting to see some theater, see the sights? Yeah, um, I think on Sunday we have a free day, so we're going to go around New York and see. And what do you do in your Rotaract Club uh, at New Mexico State, Emily? Um, a lot of it is 
people coming together, sharing ideas of ways to get involved in the community. Someone will come forth with this project, and someone will come forth with that project, and they'll pitch their ideas, and people can get involved in whichever projects they think they'll be best suited for. So it's a lot of throwing ideas around and finding people to help you. How did you originally find out about Rotorac and about um, Rotary in general? And my follow-up question is, where are you two originally from, respectively? Let's start with Ginny Chen. Actually, I was in Interact Club in high school, Clovis High School, and I'm from Richardson, Texas, originally. You don't have a U-all accent, Jenny. A U-all? Y'all. Don't they all say y'all in Texas? Yeah, but I don't know. I used to say y'all a lot, but... <laughs> and Emily, where are you from? Hi. Um, I was born in Houston, Texas, but I've been raised in Goodrich, Michigan, a tiny little town that no one's ever heard of, but it's nice enough. And your name is Emily Burr. Are you related to Aaron Burr or Raymond Burr? Not that I know of, but it's a question I want to look into. Well, Aaron Burr, of course, was a famous uh, uh, Revolutionary War uh, figure, and Raymond Burr was a very great actor back in the 50s and 60s. So, uh, Emily, uh, how did you first find out about Rotaract? I actually have, I had a couple of upperclassmen friends who were heavily involved in Rotaract, and one day they just told me, hey, you should come, and I, I did, since I didn't have anything else to do that day, and it ended up working out pretty well. And Jenny Chen in the uh, University of New Mexico, Rotaract Club, what kind of uh, service projects have you done? Um, I've done the On the River for the River Gala event, where we raise uh, money for keeping the Rio Grande clean. That's very, very important, clean water. It's one of Rotary's uh, very big uh, uh, projects throughout the world. And um, Emily, what, what kind of things have you done? Um, I learned about our campus crisis line, the call, and I've started working on that as a volunteer. Um, I helped with our projects for the Rape, Abuse, Incest National Network, as well as a few other smaller organizations. So I'm just kind of kicking kicking around campus. What are you majoring in, Emily? I actually don't have a major yet. It sounds like uh, social work or psychology of some type, definitely a uh, help, help people. It's definitely an outreach, that involvement that you seem to have. I'm just, just being an observer here. All right, that's motherly <laughs> advice from my co-host Sarah O'Connell. And Jenny, what are you studying at uh, New Mexico State University? I'm majoring in chemistry. Well, Jenny Chen and Emily Burr, thank you so much for joining on Radio Rotary. It's nice to meet two nice young people like yourselves who are putting their efforts to good use. And I want to wish both the best of luck in college. Thank you. Thanks a lot. And we're back with more Radio Rotary after these important messages. Not all superheroes wear capes. Most wear jeans or sweaters or suits, just like ordinary people, because that's what they are. They are the 1.2 million members of Rotary, men and women whose superpowers are the capacity to care and the desire to make the world better. So the next time you need a superhero, don't look in the sky, look in the mirror. Learn more at Rotary.org. Rotary. Humanity in Motion. Hudson Valley Talk Radio. We're back here at the United Nations on Radio Rotary for UN Rotary Day. I'm Jonah Trebowas. With me is my co-host Sarah O'Connell. And Sarah, who are our delightful guests now? Well, we have our Interact Club members, Louisa Frick and Matt DeST- DeStefano. And you are from the Interact Club in, in let me guess, Red Hook? Yeah. Yep. Hi, I'm Louisa Frick. I'm the Vice President of Interact Club. I'm Matt DeStefano. I'm the President of Interact Club. 
And we also have a gentleman standing next to us here who's been an outstanding Rotarian for decades and the advisor of the Red Hook Interact for many years, Carl Dowden. Carl, welcome to Radio Rotary. Thank you, Jonah. It's a pleasure. So, Matt, tell us, what is Interact? Well, Interact is part of the Rotary, International Rotary. We are the high school part of it from ages 14 to 17. We try to help out the community. We're a volunteer organization, basically. We also do international projects, but uh, this year I'm trying to focus more locally. And uh, you're a senior at Red Hook High? I am. And what about you, Louisa? I'm also a senior at Red Hook High School. All right. And what got you first interested in joining Interact, other than the fact that Matt was there? Well, of course, Matt. But um, generally, it's been we've been looking at programs in school with um, all these like international organizations, such as Invisible Children, which was mentioned. And um, I just really want to help out. And like Matt's been sending out information about it, and I just really want to get involved and help locally as well as internationally. So. How long have you both been involved with Interact? And my follow-up question is, what do you plan to do after graduation? Well, this is my first year in Interact, which is unfortunate. I wish I had joined earlier. Um, but I definitely plan um, on continuing with the programs through college and after that, hopefully. And I'm just really interested in, like, all these international programs as well as local programs. So that's my And advice. Matt? Uh, how long have you been involved in Interact? Sure. Um, this is my second year in Interact Club. I started as a junior. I'm really disappointed I didn't start as a freshman, though. But I believe I've made some good changes. And I hope later on, after I graduate, I can join Rotaract in college and hopefully go on from there and join Rotary International That when I'm older. Now, Matt, you're going to be studying chemistry in college, right? I am. What are you going to be studying, Louisa? Um, I'm not sure yet. I'm probably going to be doing some general studies and liberal arts and such as that. All right. Let's talk for a minute to your uh, advisor, Carl Dowden. Carl, how long have you been a Rotarian? been a Rotarian 30 years. And you're past president of the Red Hook Club, correct? Yes, I am. All right. And how long have you been involved with these fine young people here who are part of Interact? Uh, 22 years. That's amazing. So you've seen a lot of young people come and grow up and become great successes in the world. Well, what keeps you going? What keeps you interested in Interact? Well, I think it's a, the program for youth. Um, I think the youth are the future of our, our country and, and even our organization, Rotary. Um, and I just uh, appreciate working with them. They have a lot of energy and enthusiasm. Carl, have you been a host family, or um, have you done anything um, outside of the Interact Club with the other? You mean a host uh, family for student exchange? Right, for student exchange with other young people, just out of curiosity, since I don't know you, and apparently Joan has known you for 20 years. Well, uh, yeah, we've, we've met on occasion, uh, but we won't tell all the secrets. Carl? Uh, yes, we, I did um, act as a host family for an exchange student we had in Red Hook um, when, a couple of years ago. When was that? Um, I believe it was uh, about 2003 or 2004. Somewhere in there. And where were they from, Carl? Brazil. And did you have, do you have other children at home? Did you at the time? or? I have two daughters. Uh, they're not at home now. They're both in college. And, uh, but at the time, they were both living both. at home. Yes. Both? Two, girl, two kids in college? Not right now, yes. Oh, my goodness. God bless you. <laughs> so it's amazing you can afford the train fare to come down here. But one of those charming young ladies, his daughter Emma, was our Interact president last year. That's correct. My, both, actually, both of my daughters were president of the Interact Club when they were in high school. And Emma was president all four years of high school. Wow. Well, that's great. So, uh, Louisa, um, what skills are you going to take 
from being Vice President of Interact off the rest of your life uh, in your adult, well, you're an adult now, you're a young adult, but uh, in college and then on to uh, employment? Um, I think my leadership and also my ability to, like, come up with new ideas and get them into action. Like, this year we're planning a book drive, and I've just been really into that and getting that started. So I think my definitely my ability to, like, get plans in motion and think of new ideas and stuff. And Matt, if we've got uh, kids uh, listening to Radio Rotary, uh, would you recommend joining Interact? I would. I made it this year so that I could get more kids than I had last year. I increased the attendance to about 40 the first meeting. I believe everyone should join. Interact Club should be a place where you can voice your ideas, make it a springboard for whatever you want it to be, and try and get Interact Club and the Rotary behind you for whatever projects or ideas you may have. Have you all attended UN Day before? I have not. This is my first time. How about you, Louisa? Yeah, this is also my first time. Are you enjoying it? Very much. It's, what, are you, what are you learning from that? Um, just that there's so many possibilities, and really the sky's the limit. Like, a lot of kids have done amazing things, and it's, anything is possible. Well, I'll tell you, as you know, uh, Louisa and, and Matt, uh, my regular job when I'm not on the radio is I'm the Red Hook Town and Village judge, and I see young people who uh, aren't following your path getting into trouble all the time, and it's a delight and a pleasure to see all these young people from Interact Clubs and Rotaract Clubs from around the world doing good deeds and, and really becoming a uh, great asset to society and humanity. So keep up the good work, and I want to thank you both for joining us on Radio Rotary. Thank you for having us. Louisa, thank you, and best of luck there. Thank you so much. Carl, thanks very much, and keep up the good work with these fine young people. Thank you, Jonah. Another 30 years! Another 30 years! <laughs> well, Sarah, we've had a delightful day here in the United Nations here in New York City on the East River, uh, talking to some great Rotarians and to some fine young people, and I hope you've enjoyed some of the day as much as I have. I have, actually. Um, a couple of things. First of all, I just want to say this Mark, marks our one-year anniversary of... As radio host. You know, my wife listens to this show. <laughs> yes, as Radio Rotary co-host. So, and it's been a great year. Also, being going to functions like this, uh, Rotary functions like this, for me is so inspirational. I really remember why I became a Rotarian. Uh, and an older elder statesman once said to me years ago, um, after, uh, let me just say, he prefaced it by, things started to change in Rotary when they... When we let women in. <laughs> that would be 1987, I think. Well, and in my original club, I was one of the first women, female uh, members at that time. But he once said to me, you know, you join Rotary, you're, you're a member of Rotary, and then something happens somewhere along the line, and you actually become a Rotarian. And it's events like this and experiences like this and talking to everybody who's been a Rotary member for 30 years, like your friend Carl, to young people who have joined for the first time, first year in their um, Interact Club. So I don't know. I want to leave you with that, Jonah. That's a great thought, and I want to thank everybody at home for tuning in. Be sure to join us again at this same time Friday, every Friday at 9 o'clock for another edition of Radio Rotary. Uh, we thank Rotary District 7210 and all our club sponsors. And for Sarah O'Connell, this is Jonah Treboss reminding you to stay tuned to Hudson Valley Talk Radio. 